0: Welcome to the Recovery Hour podcast. Can you hear me? Where we choose to recover
1: out loud. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> by sharing our personal stories of inspiration. When it feels like it's the end, it's like get really excited because it's the beginning of something super cool. Hope and triumph. You can do hard things. Together, we can end the stigma and shame typically tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction. Been there. We are proof that recovery does happen. Dope for hope. Joy and laughter may be involved. <laughs> This is The Recovery Hour with Lori Windfeld.
0: Jason Derulo loves dope. Welcome to The Recovery Hour. This is your host, Lori Windfeld. And today I am really nervous, which you guys know I never get nervous. So you know I have a really, really good guest. Her name is Kelsey Moreira. Five stars. You did great. Gosh. (laughs) She has a Brazilian last name. Her husband's a Brazilian (laughs) hunk, and he came with this name that we can't pronounce. And I threw in hunk. I have no idea, but I assumed he is because she married him. So here we are. Kelsey started a career in tech at 16 years old and then hustled for a decade in product marketing. From there, confronted her issues with alcohol, got sober in September of 2015, and then found her happy place in the kitchen, began baking, stumbling on a great egg sub that made her cookie dough safe to eat. Kelsey then took the leap, quit her career, and started Dope, which we're going to talk about today, I'm so excited, in 2017, continuing to share her story in the hopes of inspiring others, making a splash so cool on Shark Tank, and was also named Forbes 30 Under 30 and Vegas 40 Under 40. Welcome Kelsey. So excited to have you here.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's still surreal. I'm like, who is she reading this about? That sounds cool. But like, there's surely cannot be me.
0: (laughs) It's it's you. It's me. It's the one and only, and you worked your ass off for all
1: that. So yes, soak it in. Thank you. Yeah. Continually. My ass never stops being worked. (laughs) It's so hard every day, but I just keep going and it's nice. Nice reminders of why I'm doing what I'm doing along the way. Oh, that's amazing. Well,
0: I'll read it again if you want some extra uh, love towards the end, just so you (laughs) just so it's somebody else reading it about you and you're not like all fantasizing about yourself. Um... (laughs) So I found Kelsey just so delightful and was she was doing an interview with Dawn Nickel from She Recovers. And my listeners are very aware I just every episode I talk about She Recovers because it literally saved my life. Well, let's back up. I saved my life. They helped me continue to save my life, right? I love them so yeah. much. I love everything about them. And you're doing this really cool program, Dope for Hope, and they are your foundation that you're working with. Tell us a little more about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She Recovers is so awesome. And I feel the same way about what they're doing. Just a uh, community is so important in recovery and they're providing this opportunity for people to be reminded every single day that they're not alone and what they're going through. And it's perfectly in line with exactly what dope for hope is all about. And at the company, you know, when I first started this, I was like, I love making desserts for people. I really love making people happy with something that I've made. And dessert is hands down the best way to do that. I didn't really know what it would become, but as we started to get some traction underneath us and um, it came to the grand opening of our first like physical location, it was on my two year sobriety anniversary and So I put in the Facebook event and I said, if you come up and say it's dope to be sober, you'll get 20% off. And the response we got from people was just incredible. You know, people reaching out that they were two weeks sober and like looking for advice on good meetings in the city um, or were many years sober, but hadn't been able to tell anyone yet. And I just thought, my God, this is like people want to have this conversation, you know, and it's so shrouded and um, we all sort of feel like ashamed about it or like it's something that's wrong with us. And for something that now to me seemed like so many were sharing it, I thought we should make it a louder conversation. So I started the Dope for Hope initiative. Dope for Hope, easy to say, fun rhyme as my way to try and break the stigma around mental health and addiction recovery across the company. So we have, through that, mental health policies inside of our company. So we offer mental health days to all of our staff. It's like a no questions asked day off if they need it. We have the Dope for Hope pledge that community members can sign on our website. Says that you'll be there for a friend when they need you and reach out for help when you need some. And then How She Recovers is involved through our donation element dough nation if you will we donate 1% of all of our sales that's company wide so every single thing that we do any bite of dough that's going out the door a portion of that's going to she recovers oh my gosh yeah it's just a feel good thing and we're just we sell cookie dough but we're really trying to bring people into a community and and a movement around destigmatizing these things I'm
0: so glad you just brought up you sell cookie dough, because I realized that I never did introduce your company. And so we've been talking about dope this entire few minutes. <laughs> and it's likely, based on my listenership, that they may be thinking we're selling other kind of dope. So... Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Kelsey has an amazing company. Tell us about Dope the Company, and then that will make a lot more sense to you when she talks about uh, licking spoonfuls of chocolate chip cookies.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I'd always loved baking all sorts of things, but cookies were my go-to as a kid. And then when I got sober in 2015, I just like dove back into the kitchen and, and I was right back into my love of cookies once more, but I was baking vegan. So I found a great way to make the cookie dough safe to eat raw, eggless, but butter filled and deliciously decadent. So you can bake a few cookies and you can eat a few spoonfuls raw. We ship nationwide. So you can visit dope.com and get it to your door, which is pretty cool.
0: Oh my gosh, it is pretty cool. It sounds delicious. And um, I haven't done my homework yet. So I'm really excited to (laughs) to place some orders. And of course, knowing that some of the profits will go to um, She Recovers as well. So exciting. So you mentioned a few times too about your sobriety. Take us through that journey quickly, because I know as a woman in long term sobriety as well, it's not something I always love to be defined by, but I definitely want people to know my story. And I think that, like you said, making that conversation louder. And so just knowing, hi, this woman, by the way, just got sober, created an amazing company that is now just bursting at the seams and and so exciting. You I read the accolade. So Tell us about your sober story.
1: Yeah, I, I don't mind sharing it at all. I think normalizing like the different shades of troubles, you know, that we all have. Like, I love that shades. Yeah, many different like forms of what this looks like to come to the realization that for me, you know, alcohol is no longer serving my life. Like, that was not making my life any better, and I should get it out if I want to have any chance at having a healthy relationship with myself or someone else. So, I think trying to shake up this view of like what it means to be an alcoholic or what it means to, you know, need to be in recovery from being such a negative thing. Like you failed to realizing that like, this wasn't who I wanted to be anymore. So for me, you know, I I drank for the first time at 14 years old. And first time I drank, I blacked out. And I, you know, had always had a lot of issues with perfectionism as a kid, super bad, undiagnosed anxiety, you know, just like, I used to not understand why my stomach was like in painful knots when I was taking like tests in school or, um, was very hard on myself. I would be the girl sobbing if I got a B when I was like six years old, you know, or seven years old. And it was really challenging for me to kind of be okay with not being perfect. And alcohol was like this release where like, you didn't have to be on and like, you weren't worried about anything and you weren't anxious or, or overworked on something and your brain could just like, let go. And um, that just continued through the years. You know, when I started at Intel, as you mentioned in the beginning, um when I was sixteen, it was a quick shift from like, I'm a kid to I'm in adult corporate world. And that came with a lot of stress because I wanted to be the best. You know, I was supposed to just be at a summer internship, but because those three months had gone so well, they asked if I would stay on through the school year. and that just um, persisted for the next ten years. So I was leaving high school at like ten thirty in the morning to go to my corporate job and come home at I remember coming home and being just as tired as my parents who had worked there nine to five, you know, and we're all sitting on the couch and I <laughs> couldn't get myself to go work out or anything because I was just so tired and we've just fallen into bad habits. And, um, you know, alcohol for me really became a, a release. And over the years would just have so many incidents that were not who I want to be, you know, things I'm not proud of, things I did that I wish I had not done, very scary things like hospitalizations, you know, for being too drunk. And I would be the one, you go to some party with everybody in college and we would take a party bus there. I'm the one who didn't get off the bus in the end. And like the police found me in the back of the, the bus. Cause I'd passed out. So, you know, there's just all these things that slowly were like, this doesn't match like who I want to be, you know? And like, it was hard to say there was a problem. Cause on the surface, you're like, well, you got this good job. And like, you always had good grades and like, look what I got, you know, a 4.12, my like first uh semester in college doing 21 credits. And I was drunk Tuesday through Sunday, you know, like I think I would take Monday was like God's day or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, It was the day of the liver. (laughs) (laughs) It was just crazy that this was possible. Yeah. I was really fueled by what like society says is cool. I just thought like I wanted to fit in and I thought that the drinking and the partying was like going to be a way to do that. Um, but it didn't stop. You know, when I got out of college, I was still having trouble being okay with just, there was never just a couple of drinks. It was always when we were out, I kept drinking and kept having, kept wanting to have more. Didn't even trust myself drinking alone because I wasn't sure I would be able to stop. So when my you know, boyfriend at the time would be out of town, I remember like, I would want to go meet up with a friend or something so we could have some drinks and hang out. Cause I wouldn't open a bottle of wine at home. I was like this weird, like sense that like, it wouldn't, wouldn't end well, you know, if there wasn't anyone to watch over me and what would happen, would I leave? Would I, you know, so, um, came down to, uh, you know, September of 2015 and I was taking a business trip to Barcelona. Um, I was going to be gone for a week and I landed at like 1030 in the morning and they're checking at the Marriott and they're like, Oh, hello, Miss Witherow at the time, you know, here's your bottle of wine as a welcome gift, you know, for being a platinum member. I'm like, it's 10 a.m. But like, whatever vacation. And like, you know, no one here like knows I have a problem with alcohol. So we'll just, we'll do it. And so against my better judgment that I would have at home, I did have that bottle of wine then went out to the pool, found some coworkers there um, who were there also a day early for the conference started drinking and, you know, I was blacked out probably by, I don't really remember anything after noon one and came to at three 30 in the morning in a stranger's apartment and no idea where I was had like half my clothes, didn't have my phone. Um, and got, uh, got put in a cab to go back to the hotel where the conference was happening. And, um, yeah, just trying to put the pieces together of like, Oh my God, another night of like, what the hell happened? What do I have to like explain to, you know, my loved ones back home, including that, you know, boyfriend of four years at the time. And I had destroyed that relationship over the years of, of difficulties that my alcohol had caused. But it was just so clear that morning. I was just like, I never want to do this again. I never want to feel this way again and apologize for shit that I don't remember doing uh, or things that I wouldn't have done if I was conscious going through it. And that was it. I called my Nana who had 20 years sober at the time and told her that enough was enough. And she was like, well, you better find yourself in her sweet Scottish accent. She said, <laughs> you better find yourself in a meeting. And I found an English speaking meeting that morning in Barcelona. And I haven't had a drink since. Oh my
0: gosh.
1: Yeah. Whirlwind.
0: <laughs> that is a whirlwind. And just, I'm just imagining being, I I'm trying to put the pieces together in the age. So like, how old were you when that happened?
1: I think I was 24, 25. Yeah. So
0: scary enough that, I mean, for some people, even traveling internationally at that age is new for people. And to imagine waking up just like, where the hell am I? And I think that's, what's the scary part of alcohol because it is it is normalized and socially it is something that most people accept mm-hmm. you know we've talked about this before it's the only drug you have to explain not taking mm-hmm. so true yeah you know and some of us have been in those places I mean we could sit here and story tell for sure yeah and a lot of mine have go back to you know other people telling me stories because I don't remember same thing
1: mm-hmm. so yeah it's like the burden you put on other people too that they have to be the ones who experience remember it and tell you the next day like that relationship I i ruined, you know, all those times of him having to be the one that was like mad in the morning. And I remember some mornings I'd wake up feeling all good and chipper, like we had a great night. Right. And I'm like, why is he so pissed off? And it's like, yeah, you threw up on my friend last night or like, you know, or you yelled at that girl and got in a fight outside the club or, you know, it's just silly. Stuff. Yeah. You're like, Oh, uh, huh? I'm like, yeah. are you oh. sure that was me? <laughs> Tail goes between your legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We
0: laugh about this because we've experienced it and know that, um, you know, yeah, we've already gone through the, and I say we, cause I, you're telling my story. So for any of you listeners that might be in this right now, please know, you know, we giggle because gosh, help us for years we've experienced it and know that there is a way out and at that time mm-hmm. we didn't think so. It sounds very much Kelsey's story is similar is you know, you wouldn't find me anywhere without a glass of something in my hand and I I went through that phase of am I gonna be fun? I'm not fun without alcohol yeah,
1: totally. I was like, how am I gonna get married? I was like, I won't be able to have a champagne toast. No one is gonna want to marry me, mom <laughs> like, I literally had this conversation. <laughs> And like, and how do you go on your first date and all this, but I remember calling my dad, like all the boxes stacked around my apartment and stuff. Cause you know, we had split and had to move to separate apartments and everything. So I'm like, I just lost this like love of my life. I thought I was like, you know, everything was ending. And my dad was like, stand up, unpack one box and it's going to be better than the moment before that. And then get through one more, you know? And it was like, I vividly remember that moment. Cause I was literally sobbing on the floor and thinking mm. my life was over. But it's like every single day from that moment, my life just started to like open up, reorganize itself, and like move in the most amazing direction. So when it feels like it's the end, it's like get really excited because it's the beginning of something super cool. Ooh, I like that.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. (laughs) Okay, so from there, you. we're like, all right, reassess. Like you have to just figure out. So what, what happens now? You're sober, which is amazing, by the way. Congratulations on taking that leap of faith and working every single day your ass off to not be that person. I know that it's- Yeah. it's work. Yeah.
1: It is crazy journey. I mean, I think it was just this realization that alcohol is like living your life with like the fast forward button pressed down permanently, you know, like you're just sort of like going through everything. You're going through all the motions and it's just happening really fast and you're not really feeling anything and you're not really doing anything meaningful. You know, it was like people would come to visit and we'd just take them to all the bars in town. You know, it was like a brewery tour and like, we wouldn't do anything. And I remember when I first stopped drinking, I'm like, what will I do to like hang out with my friends and stuff? (laughs) And then, you know, you just, you realize that, wow, I realize now looking back at how full the last five years of my life have been and think what a shame that would have been if I had been drinking through all that. Cause I really got to live so much experience so much, like I took a trip to Scotland with my papa, you know, just the two of us, and like got to see where my Nana's childhood home was. She had passed, you know, just the the fall before. And it was like it was just that was such a cool thing to like be through and like live through and, and experience and you know, sit in a cafe and eat these Empire Biscuit shortbread things with him. And I just, you know, I would have had a pint in my hand through the whole trip if I was still drinking. Um yeah, it's just really, it's really a gift, like what you get to do in sobriety. And it all started to work out. And I was just like, what do I love? What makes me, me like, who is Kelsey? I was like, I'll try a painting class. I'll do pottery. I'll <laughs> like, I was like, whatever. I want to try everything and see what, what sticks. I never did gardening. I was, that was oh. too messy, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just loved, loved baking and I loved cooking in general. I was doing like tons of meal prep stuff and fun recipes to try, but really spending a lot of time doing desserts and I ended up um after just a couple of months taking enough of those desserts into the office that people were like you should start selling this and so I started Monster Baby Bakery out of my kitchen as like a local like (laughs) yeah cakes and Monster Baby yeah that was my nickname with my family because I'm such a messy eater. Yeah. So as a kid, like I have chocolate cake in my hair. They're like, How did you even do that? So they just call me Monster. So um yeah, that was a blast. Um I was doing like cakes and cupcakes and things for coworkers and friends. And yeah, and then I had moved to San Francisco and I was like, I don't know, this bakery thing's probably not gonna make it. Like I'll just put it on the side, but it doesn't really stop like itching once you've started in that world, you know, once you've done something in entrepreneurship, like your brain is always like, how can I do that again? Because I had so much fun creating the brand and for Monster Baby and for Dope. Like I built a website and made business cards before I ever sold anything, you know, because so I just cool. like I'm super into marketing and yeah. and branding. So, yeah, it's just it was uh I was there. I just had all this energy and excitement. And I was so happy, you know. I ended up dating someone for about a year and a half in San Francisco. And I remember him saying, like, I think you're the happiest person I've ever met, you know. And I really felt that. Like I really Um, felt like, wow, I've have like come into my own skin so much that it shows to other people that I'm truly like super happy inside. Yeah. Uh, And that was that was a huge gift. So life's not easy in recovery. Things have gotten hard my n- nana passing away was terribly difficult on me but yeah you have this like ability to get through it and to find like what is good today and what can i focus on and what can i do to to better my mental state
0: yeah for sure that's something i remember in your interview with dawn at she recovers talking about your nana and that Touched me definitely because I have suffered a lot of loss in my life and most of those I was shit faced and of course ran right to alcohol to save the day, which then Mm -hmm. of course just suppressed feelings that literally we're talking 20 of years later now dealing with grief and, and loss and how to, how to handle those feelings. So how do you feel recovery helped you and sobriety helped you in dealing with the grief and the loss of your Nana?
1: You know, she was the first person that I ever lost um, that was close to me. I was always, you know, you hear these stories, you see these things and it seems so, so awful and so hard. And I had lost grandparents before that were just more distant. You know, we weren't as close and they, we didn't spend as much time with them growing up, but Nana and I just had like a really, really tight connection. And, you know, the sobriety journey only brought us closer. I was a year sober when she passed and she left like jewelry for all the, uh, all of her granddaughters. And you know, my brother's the only grandson. So we have all lots of ladies in the family. So she left us each an envelope with like a piece of jewelry and, and a final letter to us. And for me, I got this diamond heart necklace that was given to her by Papa for her first year sober. So I got just the most incredible gift through my life with her. But at the end, they're um, just so peaceful to know that she got to see that I was on this path. And there's like no words to describe the pain of when someone's actually gone. And when you have never experienced death like that before being the one in the room holding her hand while she goes is like a real life altering experience. Like I will never be the same um, after that, but it was empowering to have to go through it, feeling all the feelings, you know, and like you said, you know, having to deal with grief all these years later, it's like, I went through it, I felt it, I processed it, you know, and I had to really like dig in and, and just, Deal with like how much it hurts that someone's gone, and it still does. We were out visiting um, my my papa in December, and you know, still just like sobbing, like laying in bed, like okay, we just had a great day with them and everything, and I can tell, you know, he's getting all sentimental when he says goodnight and hugs you by and stuff, and I'm just, I just lost it, and it's like it's been so so long now, four years or whatever, but it just, yeah, it still feels so real. So you still feel the pain, and and but you go through it, and yeah, I'm just. I know she'd be so happy and so proud of me now. So it's more motivation to keep going. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's great when you get to a place where you recognize you have to feel the feels. Like this is where it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the more we suppress that, the more likely it's coming in the years to come. So just feel that just ride that emotional wave and cry it out it's okay yeah yeah oh well i'm so sorry that you lost your nana but i'm i'm so happy to know that uh, she did get to see you in in your sobriety i'm sure that was a huge accomplishment in her eyes yeah okay Mo- monster monster baby monster baby bakery <laughs> yeah monster baker big ba- monster baking ba- so okay <laughs> the mbb say that 10 times fast <laughs>
1: <laughs> no for real. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just the deadpan stare. Awesome. Yes. Can you the MBB. Uh, MBB. So, uh did
0: that go straight from there into dope or how how was dope created? I mean, that was something that you had there had to have been an aha moment with this dope situation.
1: So, Monster Baby was when I was living in Oregon where I first got sober. Um and, you know, really right off the bat like when I was two months in, I think is when I kind of got the engines moving to start it. Um, You find you have a lot of time when all your friends were just drinking buddies and now you don't drink. And so, uh, you know, I just sort of went introvert mode a little bit where I was okay with spending like the nights and the weekends, mostly um, by myself. I started, I think I waited like maybe six months, five months to start dating, you know? even lightly. And that was a little weird, but yeah, just had a lot of time. So it was like all this energy that you have and all this new focus and you're never hung over, pouring that into a business was like incredible. You just have like unlocked this extra set of superpowers and like, why not use them? So I was moved with, uh, within Intel to a new job down in San Francisco. So I was leaving the bakery behind and in SF. I I really loved what I was doing. It was a move into more of a philanthropic role at Intel, which I think led a lot of what I do with Dope for Hope today. Um, I was working with Lady Gaga's Born This Way Foundation using machine learning to fight online harassment. (laughs) Brain explodes. It's so awesome. (laughs) Oh, cool. Yeah, so that program was called Hack Harassment. And we just, you know, I really got this sense of like, wow, this company can be so big, but do so much at the same time. Like this was a whole team of people dedicated to fighting online harassment, which has no like sales benefit to Intel at all, you know, but they were, um, you know, dedicating resources to that under their diversity and inclusion group. So great experience and great time. And I was okay for a little bit, like putting the entrepreneur stuff on the side, but I guess, yeah, maybe almost just shy of a year before I ended up starting dope. So maybe about eight months in, I got this idea. The cookie dough that I'd been making was now safe to eat raw without the egg in it. And, um, yeah, it was just like, people love cookie dough. Like there's gotta be like, why can't I get a scoop of this somewhere? And Americans especially love it. It's not as common internationally, which is a really (laughs) funny conversation. They're like, what I'm like, okay, so cookies, but like before they're cookies and then you (laughs) eat it and they're like, no, (laughs) I'm like, yes. Okay. Just try it. Um, they're like, um, it's butter and sugar. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So I had this recipe and I was saving a bowl in my fridge, having a few bites throughout the week, baking some cookies when I wanted it. And it was just that, you know, how can I, how could I get this out to other people and made like four test recipes and took these little jars out with my friends out to ocean beach and had our first like dope tasting party by the campfire, you know, bonfire out there at the beach. And sure enough, the next day they all tasted like bonfire smoke. So that was a horrible idea. Don't recommend doing a tasting of your first batch <laughs> at a bonfire in the future. Tasted good on site, but next day. Uh, anyway. It was the smoky flavor. <laughs> yeah. The s'mores. I was like, wait, I'm kind of into this. The s'mores flavor tasted pretty good with a little <laughs> campfire action in it. But yeah, no, just a great, you know, response from everybody of like, this is delicious. Like we had basically almost killed all four of the pints across like four people. So we were really happy with just like the taste. And they were like, Yeah, seems like a good idea. You should do it. So I started working on all the licensing and sort of business stuff I would need to have ready, the brand and the name and everything. I sat with a friend being like, you know, I just want to make a really dope dessert company. Like I want somewhere you and I would hang out at. And she was like, dope could have dough in it. Like we should call it that. And it's been fun. It has pros and cons. So for those listening, it's spelled D-O-U-G-H-P. It's like dough with a P on it. Which is so freaking cool, by the way. I love it. It's like, it is this exciting when you realize what it says, but it's hilarious how many emails I get where people have like capitalized the P or they'll put an apostrophe P or it's dough up or dog HP, <laughs> Doug HP. Like we get all sorts of stuff. I literally have heard all variations of this, but it is dope. And, uh, you know, serving legit cookie dough. It's legit. Cause you can eat it raw or bake it and that we're trying to do some good in the world. So yeah, it's been a fun journey. I think my parents thought I was having a quarter life crisis. Cause I was like, I'm gonna quit my safe career at Intel. You know, I was like already making like I think over 120 or something in salary then, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to zero and, <laughs> and start this cookie dough business, which like I have no retail food experience or anything, and you know, it's just you know what I had was like. passion, Passion. confidence that it was going to succeed and like no fear in asking for help. You know, I was not afraid to like reach out to anybody I could find that was working in this space and be like, Hey, do you have like 30 minutes for coffee? I'll bring cookie dough. You know, can you sit with me and like share what you know? Or yeah, just, I really have always like leaned into that hire for what you suck at. Never say no to an introduction. I've got lots of people that have been like, Oh, you should know so-and-so help tremendously. Um, and just be super confident that whatever you do is going to work out. Love
0: it! It definitely is obvious when you have passion behind what you want to do; it's going to get done. Yeah. Those of you thinking about anything right now and your head's just spinning, like I can leave my job. <laughs> Think about yeah. it. I mean, you know, i I have this I have this conversation with my husband a lot because he's been at his uh, organization in executive leadership for over twenty five years. Wow. Yeah. And he's just a brainiac when it comes to just, he loves, to, he is a big thinker. So he has always has these ideas and I'm like, you got to just go out there and do it. Yeah. But the world's as in the family of five, <laughs> and the puppy and the house and everything is sitting on his shoulder. So uh, another conversation. I
1: know. I know. So funny. It is good though. I mean, it's like you only get one life. Yes. I always tell people like you got one path through this like one time you don't get to redo any of this and if you're spending any of those years doing something that doesn't absolutely thrill you every day like you should really try and see if you can do something else and if it's working for someone else's company that works in that space or if you are you know a wild entrepreneurial mind and you want to try and start your own thing Man, it's so rewarding, and if anything else, you're more employable afterwards because you've gone off and started your own thing. Like you'll have more experience under your belt. I feel like I get an MBA every six months running my own company, because uh, it's just incredibly challenging to be at the helm of all of these new, uh, you know, obstacles to find our ways through, and and new areas that we're getting in business channels. Like I, it's an incredible wealth of knowledge. It sounds like it
0: everything you're doing ties back to your hope for the future of mental health and, and people just smashing the stigma and just having a normal conversation. Like this is okay. It's okay. It's okay that we're all different. Yeah. Yes. There are issues. Yes. We can fix them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like, you're not the only one that's having them. Yeah. It's just so easy to feel like, um, when times are tough, that everyone else's life is so perfect. And social media has been a huge oh. propellant of that, where we're like, everyone looks like they're having the best day of their life, because that's what they're going to post online. Of and course. they don't post the hard days. So yeah, it's just nice to bring those conversations to light and remind everybody that like, we're all going through some stuff. Like everybody has likely at this exact moment, something challenging going on in their life, varying stages of it, like varying intensities or urgencies or impact. But we all have something um going on so trying to help people move through life with a little more grace and empathy that you know everyone's got their own their own story
0: love it so hopeful mm-hmm. i used to be like a celebrity holic right like i used to read us weekly and i was always caught up on everything like everything now i'm sober and none of that shit matters to me, which is really funny, (laughs) funny, funny things have changed. And I do get a little excited, like, Oh, I haven't seen that show in a while, but I couldn't help, but get super geeked up for you. (laughs) for two things. Um, Shark Tank, which is crazy. Everyone knows Shark Tank, and I want to hear that story. And then just recently, Jason Derulo, who is a um, music star, also became TikTok sensation over the um, pandemic timing. So the past year, he has over 43 million followers. And he recently did a little spiel and you wound up seeing your dope cup in his kitchen. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So crazy. I mean, the Jason Derulo thing to start with was just like mind blowing because we got someone commenting on dope's TikTok being like, oh, cool. I just saw them on Jason Derulo's. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Some other cookie dough company, like she's confused us with them. Like which one worked with Jason? Like, let me go see it. And I was like, oh my God, it's a dope cup. Like how did he get dope? Who told him about this? We were not notified. He was hitting another like million follower threshold. And he does these things called Millie Meals where he makes crazy dessert. But this dude decides to try and bake a bowl of cookie dough which will not work because the butter will just continue to go down to the center of that cookie. And like, it's, that is just not going to bake. Like that's why there is a reason why baking sheets are flat and <laughs> and not concave. So the, the baking it in something like this is just scientifically not going to work, but he's like trying to eat it and it's disgusting and like falling apart. So he's like, I have a better idea. He pulls out a coffee cup and takes our ride or die cookie dough at this point and lines the inside of a coffee cup with it and I'm a coffee mug and I'm like oh my god this is gonna be worse and yes sure enough he like tries to bake it and like is pouring grease out of the cup because it's all floated down to the bottom as it baked. this was an attempt I believe of like this trend where the upside down of cupcake pans if you line them with cookie dough which will all be exposed to the heat of the oven it will bake into a cookie bowl you know if you've um, mashed the dough around the underside of a cupcake pan that's not what he did you know he put it inside a bowl you know inside a coffee mug so hilarious I mean I was literally like cracking up when I saw it like half mortified but also like surely (laughs) people are going to be like what is wrong with you you can't bake a cookie like that and in the comments you know there are people like oh dope's to be eaten raw like what are you doing get a spoon or like you know or like it doesn't bake like that put it on a baking sheet um you know dope is eat it or heat it so you can bake it but not in a coffee mug Nevertheless, it got an incredible amount of views. I think it was like 2 million or something. Um, so we got a lot of great exposure. Our sessions on to our site were like through the moon. Um, we had our best sales days ever, like over those couple of days following. So the all press is good press mantra definitely worked there. Yes. Yeah. It's like, you just, you can't be mad about that.
0: Okay, good. Cause I was shitting myself. I was like, Oh my God, he just ruined dope. <laughs> I saw the liquid coming out of the cup. I was like,
1: no, Jason, don't ruin dope. It was, that was really like wrong, wrong (laughs) cookie dough. I was like, what is happening? But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I think the big takeaway is just now I have a screenshot of Jason Derulo, like smiling super big with his white, white teeth, like gleaming off the screen, holding a pint of Cookie Monster, which is awesome. Yes. Next, we just have to go Jason Derulo. Love's dope. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. I'm not mad about it. And I will not try it. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't sing. <laughs> um, mean freestyle rap, but not singer. Oh, is that rap? Right? So, no.
0: <laughs> oh, you know we're going towards that towards the end of the show, which is That's coming up, by the way. That's Jason De- Derulo. And oh, my gosh. Okay. Then Shark Tank. Yes. I told. I, so I told you. I told my husband about this. I'm like, I don't know why, because I don't usually get nervous. This is the thing. See, It's happening. I have anxiety and it, it just gets bigger sometimes. And it is right now. And so he's like, what is, what's going on with you? And I'm like, oh, I have this interview this morning, you know, and he's laughing at me cause he's like, you always, you get freaked out and there's no reason for it. And so, um, and then he just looks at me and he goes, is this the shark tank girl? <laughs> well, are you going to tell her that you talked to him? And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I'm a clubhouse junkie right now. And nice. I can't get off it. I have to stop. The original shark tank guy was in a room recently, mm-hmm. and usually they have thousands of listeners, and it was just him i'm looking i'm I'm trying to find it it was just him and like two other people. And then a couple hundred people came in like immediately, but there was like Funny. maybe max by the time the room got like set up 300 people. Yeah. And I was one of them and he was talking with some other, you know, you want to be a millionaire. We can make you a millionaire people. I don't know. Clubhouse is crazy. They have all these people trying to sell your shit, I but know. it is, you know, bazillionaires with bazillionaires. So the, the original shark tank guy, I don't remember what his name is. I feel like it's Kevin. Um, like Mr. Wonderful. Nope. Not him. The um, other one. See, everybody says that. Yeah. I don't know. There's another one and he's not on the show. He was the original one.
1: Oh, Kevin. Yeah. I forget what his name is. He has like a brokerage type thing. I remember they reached out. They do like a, I don't know, some type of like product sales thing that they try to get other Shark Tank companies into. Funny. Yeah. 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 I know the guy though. So you're, you're hanging out. Kevin Harrington. There you go.
0: Yep. So he was in the room. He was the first Shark Tank. That's what he says. He was also the creator of the infomercial, which is a big deal, right? So I'm like, okay, I follow him because I don't know. He's got to know somebody that knows something. And so they start talking about, and if anybody has any questions, you know, you want to talk, just raise your hand. And I just randomly raise my hand thinking there's 300 plus other, But get it that it's not the thousands, but there's 300 other people, zero yeah. chance I'm going to get in between now and having to drop my kids off at school. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it they say oh hey lori what do you got and i'm like what do i got i don't got shit like i don't have anything <laughs> like they're like you want you want to pitch your idea and i'm like i don't have a freaking idea like what am i pitching what am i doing i was just so excited that <laughs> oh that's so funny it was so i just um made some and honestly i didn't make some shit up i mean i was like i talked about the <laughs> podcast really and <laughs> This lady took it off to be like, she's, she's called, she calls herself the millionaire maker. And she really went off on my coaching. Cause I do recovery coaching. And she's like, well, you have to monetize that. You have to do more than you could be making blah, blah, blah. And like took this whole, and I was just like, holy shit lady. And like, I don't want to do, I can't do that. Like, just so you know, I have like three kids and a puppy and a husband, like they're there. And n- no. I want to monetize the podcast. Can you help me do that? Anyway, she suggested I write a book just so you know. That's where all that went. Nice. My point in that entire story is the shark tank. Tell us about your experience and how that all happened. Oh my gosh. You cracked me up. Oh, good. Uh, I'm I'm glad somebody's laughing.
1: (laughs) It's awesome. It was an incredible like winding road, but I'm there. We're here. I was also, yes, shark tank. Okay so shark tank was super cool i was uh super like classic mode to try and get on it i sat on a curb in san francisco for an open casting call at six in the morning, and I almost did not go. I had an employee the day before who's like, Shark Tank's coming in town. You have to go. There's an open call. Like, I'll have the cookie dough samples ready for you. Come by and pick them up. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, there's so much going on. I don't know. She's like, You have to do it. And I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm kind of a realist on some of this stuff where I'm just like, I've never known anyone that was on TV. I didn't like, I don't have anybody like that lives in LA that knows a producer or something. It's just not a world I've ever like engaged in. Similar with entrepreneurship, didn't know any entrepreneurs in my family. <laughs> but goes to show you, you know, you can do, you can do hard things. So I went and sat on this curb and I went in, I got 90 seconds to pitch why I'd be like the best, you know, entrepreneur for the show. And I had written out a whole pitch and practice. And I found that sitting in the line, not everybody had done that. You know, the guy next to me was like, yeah, no, this is like my motorized like water boat. And, and I was like, Okay. So like, let's work on a pitch. What are the coolest things about this? What problems are you solving for your customers? You know, we sat and worked on like what his pitch was going to be, but nevertheless, cool dude. And we all went in we gave our shot. And then it was about a six month process or so to um, being told that you're actually going to film on the show. I had no idea you know, how it went. It seemed good. They loved the cookie dough. They were like nonstop eating it when we were in the audition room. But yeah, it's just, they really keep you on your toes. They're like, okay, you're like accepted for the next round. We need a video submission of X, Y, and Z length. And then we need a, you know, one minute pitch of you shot on a phone is fine. Tons of paperwork and all that. And then, yeah, I was told I would film and it was the day before my three-year sobriety anniversary, the day after. Yeah. Like the day after my three years of writing. Oh my medicine. gosh.
0: So cool. Yeah. And
1: I was like, this is amazing. Like life has just continued to line up really cool shit when, uh, when that day comes around. Cause it's a nice reminder that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in the world and just to keep on. So that was really awesome. I, I mean, walking out in front of them is like an experience, like no other, like you want to talk about anxiety and, and nerves. It's like, that's next level. You know, you really are just on edge. Like you cannot believe that you're about to go pitch your your dream and your baby, which like entrepreneurs are so intimately tied to the success or failure of our business and other people's opinions of it. And this was going to be the opinions of five people who could like really change your life. So very nerve wracking. But once those doors opened, it was like all my nerves just went away. They did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I prepared like crazy for this. I had been flashcarding like I was taking a test in college, you know, so I knew my numbers. <laughs> I say like front, back, and in Spanish, you know, I was like really, really prepared. And you had the Shark Tanks. Who were your peeps? Classic group, Mark Cuban, uh, Roger Kirchbeck, Barbara Corcoran, Lori Grenier, and Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. They're all awesome. And I mean, they said incredible stuff about me and my skills as an operator, as a business owner. Um, they were out for reasons around it not being healthy, which I was like, I'm so confused. I'm pitching a dessert. Like, why are we talking about that? It's not like a health product. Um, but that, yeah, they just were, were not, you know, everything about you says it's an amazing investment, but can't get behind products that aren't good for people. Uh, oh, really? It was a really funny experience. Yeah.
0: Let's just, let's do a little inventory of what they've gotten
1: behind. hundred percent. So it was really odd, but in the end, I'm very glad that I didn't get a deal on the show. Many of them do fall out afterwards and then you're forever more going to keep rerunning as if you have a shark tank on your cap table, mm. which can push off other investors who may otherwise have reached out. Like every time it reruns, I get a few... You more messages on LinkedIn from different investors who are like, Hey, I just saw you on shark tank. Like, did you actually get investment? Or are you still looking for funding? You know, I'd be interested in chatting. So it's a cool, like ongoing thing, not only for the customer side of people who come to our site, we get this big spike of traffic, people come to check us out, see like, is this company still around? What are they right. doing? And then they see that we ship nationwide. So that's been really awesome. But yeah, the investor side is a cool plus that, you know, not getting a deal in the tank can be actually helpful. I completely
0: misunderstood uh, because I do that often. I don't retain information. I get bits and pieces of it and I make up my own stories and then tell them like they're the truth. And it's not really fun. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> life. Um, so when I talked to my husband this morning and he was asking me about um, the shark tank and I was like, yeah, no, it didn't air actually. And what I meant to say now that you told your story again, it did air, but they you did not get picked from any of the sharks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It aired. And I mean, after not getting a deal in the tank, you do have that fear of like, oh shit, will this still air or not? Because if you don't get a deal, you feel like, well, they do have to show some that don't, but there's maybe less likelihood because they want to show more that do. Um, and just this like raw emotion, like tidal wave that I had after it, you know, after it was done. Cause I was like, oh my God, I prepared so hard for this. How did I not get a deal? And now, oh my God, what if it doesn't air and I can never talk about it. But um, had to wait another six months. It was oh. May of 2019 when it aired. So from September to May, I was just like, you know, it was really hard. I had to like mentally put it out of my brain. Like I took a mental health day the next day after taping. I was like, guys, I I would like lay in bed all day. I just could not believe that I didn't get a deal. And then I got another investor a couple months later, moved forward with the um, opening of that storefront we were working on and had that grand opening in March. And then just a couple weeks before May 5th, I got told that it was going to air on Cinco de Mayo, Cinco de Charco. Oh, and go for it. It was cool. Very surreal. We had like a big viewing party and got my mom and my dad in the same room, which was odd. They got divorced when I was like six. So having everybody there was, you know, they're like not going to miss the chance to watch that. So it's funny. You're like,
0: dang, and I'm sober for this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, they're cordial now. It's just Funny, you know, you don't have many things except like graduations and Shark Tank airings that will bring all the family together apparently. That's great though. What a great yeah. story.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations on all your success. It's so well deserved obviously. Uh, like you, you said, yes, absolutely. Um being prepared. You are clearly very well prepared and and well spoken and know your shit and have your passion and that's mm-hmm. so cool. And I'm I'm so happy for you. I love to see good people um succeed. So the last thing I I want to ask you, it's the last thing I ask all my guests is if you could have a dinner party at your home and you get to pick one person that you can have there dead or alive, who would you ask to come and
1: why? Oh man. I mean, my Nana for sure. I kind of figured yeah, you that you I knew just that set that, that up. I
0: know. I was like, I can't change my question. Everybody gets the same question.
1: No, hundred percent. I mean, man, just an evening with her to tell her all these things that have come true since she passed um, she didn't get to meet my husband. Um, you know, we met after, after she had passed. So yeah, a dinner with her would be my my choice, hands down. Oh well, I love that. Yeah. Well, we can just, we can just think Nana at dinner. One time. <laughs> yeah, she knows. She, does. she knows somewhere, but man, I would just kill to see her sweet little face Aww. light up thinking about it. She she did get to see Monster Baby, and she was always ordering like the cupcakes out to Texas and stuff. So cute. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's awesome. I know she'd be really happy.
0: I am so glad that you agreed to do this, and I'm geeked up about it. Um, I want th- our listeners to be able to find dope, and I'm sure it's going to be easy. But can you just tell us where to where to get it?
1: Yeah. Dope.com. So it's dough with a P at the end, D-O-U-G-H-P.com. And that's for like all the orders. You can check out all the different cookie dough flavors we have and stuff. And then we're at Dope on Instagram and Facebook. And we're at Eat Dope on um, Eat as an E-A-T, Dope, um, Twitter and TikTok. Yeah. Amazing. And what's the actual spiel with the She Recovers Dope for Hope? Uh, yeah. So our partnership with she recovers foundation is that they'll be getting 1% of all of our sales company wide for all of 2021. It's super exciting. Um, you know, we were able to donate more than $20,000 last year. And this year, you know, if sales go to plan, we anticipate it'll be nearly $60,000. So yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. They're just doing such great work. And we're excited to help fuel all that that magic. We've got a great promotion coming up for International Women's Day, too, where we're going to donate $1 per nomination to She Recovers, asking people to nominate a strong woman in their life on our site. Awesome! Yeah, that'll be another way to link in some donations for them. Okay, so cool. Well, we'll make sure to put links
0: on for our four listeners, and they will definitely invite somebody. Maybe they can
1: invite each other. (laughs) Stop. They can invite each other. Okay. Thanks, Jan. Jan, Barbara, Karen. Bethany, and Karen, you guys are great. <laughs> super good, super good. We're so glad you're listening.
0: Uh, you guys hear here first, Kelsey Moreira. Can you say it? Is that how it goes?
1: <laughs> yeah, Moreira. I was close. Oh my god, I'm you so did great, sad. Kelsey Moreira. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, did I say it right? So don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. You just get with confidence. With confidence. <laughs> Kelsey Moreira from Dope. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Boop. We're done. You did it. <laughs> that was awesome. So funny.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfeld, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right, all right, calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful since I have been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.